listening to episode 41, chapter one of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're talking with Jay Kim about his book, Analog Church. Jay Kim is a graduate of Fuller Seminary and serves on staff at Vintage Faith Church in Silicon Valley, overseeing leadership and teaching. He's on the leadership team at The Regeneration Project and also co-hosts The Regeneration Podcast. His work has been featured in Christianity Today, The Gospel Coalition, and Relevant Magazine. He and his wife Jenny live in California with their two kids. We live in a culture that is largely driven by technological development. The digital age is here, and it has brought us unprecedented access to information and to people. The values that drive this culture are speed, choices, and individualism. We want what we want now and in our own way. And for the most part, many of the technological breakthroughs we enjoy are great. Social media allows us to connect with friends and families across the world. The internet and podcasting platforms have allowed us to bring education and opportunities to learn to those who otherwise wouldn't have the chance. But have we stopped to ask if all this technology is benefiting the church? Have we let the values of the digital age erode the mission and values of the church? Is our technology keeping us from connecting with others and doing the deep work that is required for discipleship? This is why we wanted to talk to Jay Kim about his new book, Analog Church. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much, you guys. H- happy to be on. Yeah, really excited to talk with you today about your book, Analog Church, Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age. Um, I think this book is really well-timed just for our current culture in general. And now, I think specifically with where we're at with all of the coronavirus stuff and you yeah. know, all churches moving to digital platforms more and more, that's going to have to be something that we talk about for sure. Uh, but first, let's just start off. Why did you write this book, Analog Church? Where did this uh, need come about for you? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, you know, I wish I could pinpoint like one spectacular moment of uh, divine inspiration or something where I was like, oh, here it is. I got to write this book. You know, it wasn't like that. It was, um, I've been serving and helping lead in the local church for uh, about 17 years now. And um, probably the last, I want to say probably the last six years or so, uh, I really got going in terms of thinking about some of these ideas. And context might be important. All 17 of those years that I've been serving and, and leading in the local church have been Um, basically in the Silicon Valley, kind of right in the hub, the epicenter of um, digital technology and online technology. And so, you know, I mean, digital technology is all around us, but I think living here in the Silicon Valley, one of the things it's done, I um, rub shoulders with people who make this stuff, you know, which is really fascinating because it, it lends itself to seeing it uh, 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 you know, for more than the way we experience it in our everyday lives, uh, just kind of seeing behind the scenes and peeking behind the curtain a little bit. And, um, so that the intersection of that, of the Silicon Valley and the digital age, uh, with my own ecclesiology and my involvement in the local church, one, it started out as a fascination and then it started out, uh, it's it, it gradually became 
uh, frustration in some ways. And then um, I wouldn't say fear, but it eventually turned into some serious concerns about the trajectory of things in terms of churches and and digital technology and and what the digital age as a whole is doing to us Mm -hmm. just as people and and then more importantly as followers of Jesus. So um, yeah, it just gradually happened over time. I'd say probably over the last six years sort of living here in the Silicon Valley um, and experiencing it up close. Um, it just felt like it was the right time to, to contribute something to the world about, about it. So yeah. there you go. And Anna, I love that about you, that you're uh, a pastor in Silicon Valley and yet you're writing a book that's really trying to get us away from such an emphasis on our digital media technology based, especially when it comes to, uh, the way we do church, you, you mm. talk about, you know, we've really embraced this idea of that we have to stay up to date with everything in the culture, especially when it comes to digital and technology in the church, um, yeah. or the church needs to keep pace with what the world is doing. Um, why do you say that that is not the case? Why, or yeah. why is that a bad thing? Cause it seems like yeah, it's logical, right? If Amazon's mm. doing it, why shouldn't the church do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great question, man. Um, you know, there's a lot there. And I, I think that example you used there is interesting. You know, Amazon's doing it. You know, Uber's doing it. Everyone, Everyone's doing it. Yep. You know, Google's doing it. Why, why shouldn't we do it? Look how successful they are. And uh, I think that's fair. You know, that's a fair thing to say. But if and when we say those sorts of things or make those sorts of parallels, uh, we have to ask the question, well, are we are we as Amazon and Google, you know, are we in the same business, essentially? Mm, you know, yeah. are we um, and, and I would argue and I think most church leaders I know, most followers of Jesus I know would would agree. No, we're not. You know, that's Amazon and Google that, that yeah, there's a lot to be said about companies like that. And they're plenty helpful in my life in a variety of ways, but they're really primarily about the commodification of very specific things and human experiences. Whereas the church, um, by and large, you know, since its earliest days has not been about commodifying anything. It's been about um, communing with the living God and with one another as followers of Jesus, first and foremost, I think. Um, and I would also say, you know, I, 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 may, I try to make a distinction in the book that I hope is helpful for people. You know, one of the reasons why I suggest that a pursuit of um, being on the front end, uh, on the front edge of digital technologies when it comes to our ecclesiology, one of the reasons I argue that that's actually a backwards move is because that is a chasing after what I would call relevance, right? We see how fast digital technologies are developing and we say, man, we just got to leverage and use the latest and greatest for the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, And I get that. I understand that. And I think there's some benefit to that. But I would argue that at its core, the church, and especially when she's been most effective throughout her history, it hasn't been because we're so incredibly, incredibly relevant to the culture uh, at large in the cultural moment, but rather the church is most effective when she um, offers not a relevant experience, but a transcendent opportunity, a transcendent view of what's possible. Um, when she looks, sounds, and feels and can offer the world something that doesn't look like everything else in the world, but rather something that 
um, nothing and no one else in the world could possibly offer. So that that's why, you know, primarily at its core, that's why I'm arguing against this sort of reckless, thoughtless, sometimes careless chasing after all things digital, the latest and greatest, and um, because that's a chasing after relevance. And I think that the church at her finest is um, a, a transcendent space, not a relevant one. So there you go. That's yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah. the basics. Of well, it, it seems like we've kind of made the gospel a commodity rather than a way of life or something that's transformative, and we've made it something that we have to to sell in a way. Yeah. And yep. so if you want to sell something, well, of course you've got to be relevant. Of course you've got to keep up with the the yeah. competition who are also selling things. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, the the most frustrating thing that I, that I've experienced um, over the past. 10 years in the church. I mean, we, Chris and I experienced when we were trying to, to plant a house church is that we're, we're not necessarily looking at the gospel as a way of life anymore. We're looking at it as a, as a commodity. And it mm. seems really difficult to get people to not think of it like that. And so I, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this conversation just to really try to understand what's going on with the culture. Why, why are we looking at, uh, church or, or the gospel as a as a commodity rather than a, a way of life something that transforms us hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that's a great I, I agree with you totally there josh I, I i think you know i mean there's probably a lot to be said there but one of the thoughts that comes to mind for me that that is connected to the digital age is uh in the digital age and in no small part due to the technologies of the digital age and the way they are changing everyday human experience, we are becoming incredibly impatient, shallow, and actually quite isolated in our everyday lives. And um, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, when they hear that, resonate with that. It's like, you know what, yeah. that's actually true. I am mm-hmm. incredibly impatient and, uh, you know lack some depth and certainly feel quite isolated. I think the statistics bear that out. And when when we become uh, impatient, shallow, isolated people, it makes all the sense in the world that we would um, commodify even something like the good news of Jesus. Uh, because by its nature, sort of when we experience our lives um, – with this sort of quick, fast paced, got to move on to the next thing, never ever sinking into deep, uh, meaningful things because there's always so many choices and um, living isolated, everything sort of customized around me, then it, you know, that by its very nature shapes us into the sorts of people who are looking to just consume the next thing, you know? Um, and I, I think we would all agree that the nature of Christian discipleship, following Jesus, uh, in many ways is diametrically opposed to that. You know, Christ mm-hmm. says things like, hey, die to yourself, you know, and carry daily. your cross, <laughs> you know, things, yeah, daily, every day, you know, carry your cross, stuff like that, sell everything you own and come follow me, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, man, we, we have a great challenge on our hands because I think the cultural moment in so many ways stands in stark opposition to the process of, of like you said, essentially discipleship, which is, has nothing to do with commodification. Yeah. Yeah. See, and I think I think that puts things in such a clear perspective because again, like I was talking about, if we go all the way back um, to like, why shouldn't we maybe mimic or adopt some of these technologies that are out there? Because again, the thinking is, well, it's so 
uh, I, we can spread the gospel easier mm. and be more relevant. But, um, mm. you know, you're exactly right. It's because the church's mission is something totally and completely different from what these other companies are trying to accomplish. And so I think then let's let's talk about what is the church. Can we define what the church is and then what is the, uh, and I'll set you up for this, um, what's the purpose of the church gathering? <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes to what is the church, I mean, there are, are voices far, you know, wiser and smarter and well-studied than me to answer. But I think, you know, there's several ways to understand it. This is kind of a tr- classic traditional way of approaching that question, the question of ecclesiology and what is the church. There is, you know, the historic, the historical church, right? Um, the Christian, the historical Christian church, uh, Christ comes and then he commissions his earliest followers. He tells Peter, you know, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia, the church. And so there's the historical church that, you know, 2000 plus years of unfolding story of followers of Jesus, the bride of Christ, who um, practice and participate uh, in very particular and crucially important ways um, to embody uh, the gospel story. So there's the historical church, 2002 millennia plus of, of the church. There is the universal church, right? So the church global, um, the church uh, across the world, those who, again, gather and center themselves as the embodied um, bride of Christ and participate in particular sets of uh, ways of living and doing life, um, and, you know, there are brothers and sisters of ours on the other side of the globe who we may never meet and we are we belong together to the one and same church. And then there is, of course, the local church. You know, there is your house church. There is the uh, medium sized church I serve um, in a sleepy little beach town here on the coast of California. So there are local churches, many local churches, um, probably for those listening in the city or town you live you probably drive by several, you know, on your way to work or wherever. So um, there, there's all of that. But, but in terms of the question about, you know, the church gathering, I would, and I've mentioned this already, sort of in my response. Um, the church has always been, since the beginning, uh, the gathered people of God, the embodied, gathered people of God who exchange with one another not just information or um, know-how or knowledge or whatever, but exchange with one another their their very presence, right? Our, our bodily presence. And that together, collectively, as the Bride of Christ, the church, um, gathering in embodied ways in and of itself is a, is a way in which we are shaped uh, more and more together into the image of, of Christ. So um, I don't know if that answers your original question. Maybe you can you know dive in a little deeper, but th- there you go. I, I think for, for that reason, so many reasons that I get into in the book, um, gathering is such a crucial part of, of being and becoming the church that God's called us to be. We're so saturated with digital content and technology that we often forget it's there. Those technologies are a way of life, and we rarely pause to reflect on the value they add or the harm they bring to the body of Christ. Jay's book is a call to take a step back and evaluate what's happening. So I want to challenge you to do just that today. Take a look at what you think the gospel really is and what you think church is or should be. 
Do you see it as a commodity, something to bring value to your life? Or do you see it as a way of entering into a community where you exist to serve? Chris and I had to admit we struggle at times to see church in this way. But I think these questions call us back to the heart of a lifestyle of discipleship. We have to remember our identity as beloved children of God, and from that place, recognize that we are built to walk with God and other people in community, and to do so for the purpose of serving the people around us. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Jay's work, check out jkimthinks.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Jay walks us through the value of worshiping together in person. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.